morning. It's another Power to the People here on Radio Phoenix. Down in town, Phoenix at the Phoenix Center for the Arts. It's with Glenn Miller and Chris Felton. And we are going to get into uh, politics today. Specifically, we are honored to have as our guest Ms. Delina DeSantos, a candidate for the Democratic nomination for Congressional District 4. Some of you may recall we recently had on here Stu Starkey back, uh, oh, maybe a couple months or so ago. He is her uh, opponent for that Democratic nomination, and they would most likely face uh, current uh, incumbent congre- uh, candidate or, or congressman uh, Paul Gosar, who is the incumbent uh, congressman from Congressional District 4. And um, that's up in my neck of the woods, but that district also comes down here into the valley. And wraps around into Pinal County a little bit. Uh, Delina, I met last year. Um, she was a candidate for the Democratic nomination in 18 in a primary contest with uh, David Brill. She narrowly lost that campaign. And um, David Brill went on, of course, to lose to uh, Paul Gosar in the general election. Uh, but Ms. DeSantos is a registered nurse, as I understand it. She is also a business person. And uh, I'm going to let her flesh out a little bit more about her background that is relevant to her qualifications to serve the Congressional District 4 in Congress. So, Delina, fill us in a little bit more detail here that's relevant, and then we can go on and do some questions. Sure. Hi, Glenn. Hi, Chris. I thank you for uh, giving me the opportunity to be here uh, today. And so, I do want to be able to uh, give a little background. And I am a home builder developer with my husband. Um, we're pretty much a little retired on that. But I also was a finance director of hospitals. And I am a registered nurse. And then also I worked for now retired U.S. Senator Ben Nighthorse Campbell in Colorado. So I know a lot about legislation. I know a lot about what goes on in D.C. and how it works. But also um, I know a lot about health care. And so and what I've seen um, as a finance director of hospitals and also as a registered nurse. And I have a lot of business background, so I can negotiate any kind of contract, and I'll be able to negotiate across the aisle, too, when I get to uh, D.C. What hospital uh, did you work at here in the Valley? or No. No, I worked. Um, we stopped in Indiana from New Jersey. I'm originally from New Jersey, and we stopped in Indiana, and I worked at two hospitals there. And then on our, on our way to Durango, Colorado, I got a job at uh, a, jo- a hospital in Farmington, New Mexico, which was just right over the border. Okay. And what were some of the, the varying degrees of politics that you saw working in the hospital that in regards to people obtaining health care and not obtaining work in hospitals. Yeah, yeah so the background there. So the um, what I saw mostly was um, people that are underinsured and also not insured. And so um, what's sad is is sometimes when they need a procedure that is uh, pertinent, sometimes those procedures aren't completed um, when they don't have any insurance or are underinsured. Uh, They usually will say, we'll try to put you on a payment plan. Some of them have not been able to be able to even do that because they couldn't even afford it. And so, and I'll I'll just tell you a story, which, you know, I get pretty upset about. I saw a woman uh, who had breast cancer, 
mm-hmm. and uh, she had no insurance. And her family and her church were paying for this payments every month. And she had stopped uh, two or three months that they did not even know. And they were still coming in paying on it. And so I had met the husband. I, I friended uh, this family. And uh, he came in to pay the bill. And I said, well, I haven't seen your wife in quite a while. And what happened was uh, she had stopped it because she said she was taking uh, money away from her children for her co- for the college. And two months later, she passed away. And she had um, treatments that were actually helping her. And this is the kind of um, emotions and, and the, the kind of people that I have met that are salt-of-the-earth workers, but... Um, they were they were not getting the treatments that they needed, and so the hospitals, um, I think, in that respect, kind of failed on her part by not being able to contact her and bring her in. They just assumed that she was just going to give it up. Do you so. think it's like that across the board, or just in specific areas? I think it's across the board, to be honest with you, especially um, for-profit hospitals. I mean, they do give emergency services. Every single hospital that I know uh, and that I've worked in, every time there's an emergency service, of course, um, they were given um, you know, emergency services. The thing is, is that in uh, most cases, if they don't have insurance, um, they're usually going to um, a charity hospital. Uh, a lot of times uh, here in the Valley, I mean, sometimes you'll see them go to Maricopa Hospital. Um, well, Maricopa, Maricopa Hospital now is a teaching hospital. I'm not sure if it was like that years ago. Years ago, it got an extremely bad rap. Yeah. Because that's, that's why I worked at Maricopa for t- t- almost 15 years. Oh. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it did have a, a bad reputation uh-huh. um, up until it, they started remodeling and um, it became a teaching hospital. But I was under the impression that they're not supposed to refuse you if there's a, a dire situation. Well, okay, so let's give an example. Um, someone needs hip surgery, mm-hmm. right? Um, they can get around, basically, if they use a walker uh, or they have a cane. Uh, and what happens is is that if they they can't afford it, um, a lot of times the, the doctors, uh, the specialists, and a lot of times the specialists don't want to take them on because they can't afford it. And, yeah, I've, and, I've overheard doctors saying things to other doctors and they didn't know I was listening specifically verifying what you just now said that yeah they if they can't afford it they're not going to perform the procedure or I heard one doctor specifically say I never should have gotten into medical because I'm not making the money that I want to make exactly exactly and a lot of them were saying I should have been specialists right right but their heart in the beginning was going into it as to help people Mm -hmm. and save them Um, but then when they start looking at the reimbursements uh, for Medicaid and Medicare um, they're saying that they're not making the money that they thought that they would Uh, and it's sad in in a lot of respects Um, and we could talk about reimbursement Um, I can talk all day about that also but again you're you're talking about even if they can get on Medicaid if, if they're able to get on Medicaid. Again, the reimbursement value is just not there. Some doctors may not be able to take it on. So are, would you say that you would be for like a universal health care type system or well, against it? Well, no. Okay. So um, 20 years ago when I was uh, working as a finance director, I, I again, seeing the amount of people that don't have insurance or are underinsured, I would always say to myself, how come they don't have Medicare? How come? Why, why can't they have a Medicare program? It's expensive. 
Uh, well, that's what. Okay, you can keep saying it's expensive. So we could talk. We could talk that too. So what happens is, is that we can even move it down to fifty-five-year-olds, mm-hmm. right? And when you say expensive, right now we spend one point five trillion dollars a year for healthcare. Mm-hmm. And when you hear the, everyone talking about, well, it's going to be expensive. It's going to cost thirty-three to thirty-five trillion in ten years. Okay. Well, you're already spending 1.5 trillion now, so you're going to have everybody. Uh, you're going to have everybody covered by Medicare in 10 years. So why can't we have Medicare for all? Get everybody healthy. We have more people on the program. And, you know, we can talk about having more people on the plan, right? So we're having um, more people on the Medicare plan. They're getting healthier. Right now, people who don't have insurance are not getting healthier. So that is why we need to have a, a Medicare for all type program. Well, I agree with you on that. When I say it's expensive, I'm, I'm speaking mainly about individuals that say, like, they pay for their medical out of pocket. So, and I'll give you an example. Like, when I left Maricopa, I was... Paying, I was out of work for a little bit. So I was paying for myself and my son, I was paying $800 a month uh-huh. for insurance. Um, that's almost Crazy. A, that's almost a mortgage. Right. So that's what I mean by like expensive. It's expensive for like your average individual to afford. Sometimes they might have like these, the PPOs or the HMOs, they don't work with like the, the doctor, say the doctor that they, they've been normally going to. Right. So they have to go out of or go in network to somebody else that they don't even know. They don't even know. But, you know, it's, I think the issue is the, just speaking from a personal experience, I think the issue, one of the main issues is the insurance companies. Yes. And then the other issue is that you know, you have doctors that don't want to help if you can't afford it. And you take the Hippocratic Oath when you, which, you know, that's, exactly. a, that's yeah. a, another whole other issue altogether. Exactly. So, so you're paying, so you're paying $800 a month for you and your son. Not now, but. But th- before. Th- before, yeah. Okay. And mm-hmm. a lot of people on the affordable, uh, on the uh, um, Affordable Care Act, okay, for the ACA, you're having people pay about that amount, that amount of money. But what's their deductible? So you can have a deductible from five thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars. Some have fifteen or twenty thousand dollars. Correct. Correct. Then at the same time, you're also having a, a problem where they're saying, "I'm I'm not even wanting to go to the doctor because it's going to go to my deductible, right?" So now they're going to have all this out of pocket money. So they're now not even going to the doctor. They're paying for insurance to be able to go to a doctor, but they're really only keeping it just in case there's a. An emergency, right? But in, so now they're paying the eight hundred dollars a month. Mm-hmm. So and they may not even use it. So in reality, if you had a Medicare for all, and you had either have them pay a certain amount, just like Medicare recipients do, they pay certain amounts per month. Or uh, Bernie wants to have a progressive tax if we want to have a you know a tax, but more people on it is going to be less money for them out of pocket. And correct me if I'm wrong, but don't. A lot of nurses pay for their own insurance. Oh yeah, we. When when I was a nurse, I still paid. I mean, I, I worked for Banner Health this mm-hmm. last time as a case manager, and I was still paying for my insurance. Yes, they pay for part of it, but mm-hmm. I'm still paying for my insurance a month, and it was like three hundred and something dollars just for my husband and I. Right, right. And so, and then we had also a deductible. Mm-hmm. Um, now. Granted, Banner Health gave me a great um, policy, and, and they covered me when I went to a Banner Health uh, network, uh, with, you know, within the hospitals and stuff. 
but other people don't have that kind of um, uh, opportunity to be able to do that, and I still had to pay for it. I'd rather pay, if I'm going to pay 300 and something dollars a month while I'm working, I'd rather pay that as a tax so I can have more people on a program where they're healthier. They're getting their shots. They're getting their um, uh, prenatal um, 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 medicines. They're, they're going to the doctors. They're um, being able to, get, you know, uh, get their 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 shots and, and, and um, what is the word? They can um, um, every year go and get their, their um, workups and, and treatments and stuff because we see so many people that are sick and not haven't been taken care of. Correct. Now on the flip side of that, the the mental health part of it, oh. like although it's flawed, I because I've worked on both ends. Uh-huh. I although it's extremely flawed, they seem to get more services than on the um, regular healthcare side. Yes. Yeah. Yes. On the mental health. Right, yes, right. they do. They do. But it is also um, sometimes it's it's according to what plan. Mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly. Um, so some of them are only maybe two or three visits a year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where sometimes when you have PTSD, you're you're going to need probably almost every other week. You're exactly. Gonna, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, so there is a lot of you know they say oh yeah we're covering mental health, but you have to look at the visits mm-hmm. on that one. So when it just say uh, Delina, just you don't, I don't have the background professional background you do in the healthcare industry. However, just thought I'd mention uh, two key reforms. Nineteen uh, eighty, Reagan administration, Reagan President Reagan signed into law this law that reference referring to what you're talking about in that emergency facilities have to take you it is required and they have to eat the cost if that person's uninsured right. but they are only required to get that person stabilized Stable. exactly and then you know they're kind of on their own right. and then also of course uh, I know Senator Kennedy was behind the COBRA law so that maybe some maybe this is Chris's situation perhaps that you have an insurance with your employer you no longer have a job you can continue to pay continue that insurance that you had with your job but you got to pay the premium full well, full that's what, I, that's what I was saying, and yeah. it was Cobra. It was Cobra, it exactly. Was Cobra. That was a reform, but still. I mean, a lot of people are in a situation, they just lost their job. They can't afford to pay their premium. They're paying 100% of their premium. Employers no longer paying in on it. So that was a, a, a reform and a, a step ahead, I think, I believe. But it's still, Taxman got you down? The Blau Company is here to help. For 50 years, the Blau Company has focused on building meaningful, long-lasting relationships, ensuring clients understand any and all complicated tax codes. Services include accounting, tax preparation, consulting, and more for both businesses and individuals. The office is located at 1204 East Baseline Road, Suite 104 in Tempe. More information can be found at blauco.com. That's B-L-A-U-C-O dot com. Finally, just away. 
I want to move on to some other issues in a bit, but before we do, uh, from what I can see, from what I remember, the the campaign and, and you and David Brill debated, I remember, up at Yavapai Democratic Party uh, on this issue, and, and it kind of presaged the, the current debate among our presidential candidates in our uh-huh. party. There's, there's kind of a bifurcation there between people like Warren and Sanders who want Medicare for all, uh-huh. and then people like uh, Vice, former Vice President Biden, Mr. Buttigieg, and all, who want basically to, to, to support a public option, which Obama initially was trying to get, you know, put into the Affordable Care Act, didn't make it, uh, brought into the Affordable Care Act, you know, and uh, Mr. Buttigieg, he calls it the Medicare for all who want it. Right. And that's the divide, I think. Um, and I maybe that's, uh, but I think you and, and your opponent, Mr. Starkey, I, I think are on the same page on this issue, I believe. Yeah. But... Yeah, you know, uh, it, and there's just, different. You know, speak to speak to the people who would criticize you, and and who are let's say like people like Mr. Buttigieg, they have a little different idea. If you want to speak to that, why is that not just as good as Medicare for all? Right. Okay. So so when you go for the public, you know, the public option, as they say, um, what's happening is is it's just going to be the same as the ACA. You're going to have a Medicare option to be able to buy into, just the same thing as ACA. And Medicare is going to be then not through Medicare, most likely. It's going to be most likely through like United Healthcare, like a Medicare HMO that uh, seniors have right now. So you're still going to have a probably a high deductible. There's probably going to be levels to that Medicare option. And so you're still looking at people having to pay quite a bit of money to be on that Medicare option. And so... Um, and some doctors don't take Medicare, right? So you may be seeing a doctor right now through your health insurance, and some doctors may not take that Medicare right now. So, And that's why it's so important for us to really look at Medicare for all, because we also have to look at the reimbursement rates. A lot of physicians are against Medicare, and I can't say a lot. I mean, there's a lot of physicians for and, and against but you're looking, they're afraid of the reimbursement. Right now, the reimbursement values um, for Medicare are very low. Well, to them, it's very low. It has to go by volume. So how much, how many doctors are going to accept this Medicare option? And to me, again, it has a lot to do with the ACA. It's going to be your choice. You're going to choose a, a, a you know, an ACA um, healthcare provider. Here, I think in Arizona, there's only two um, and then and then you're going to have the Medicare option. You're still going to pay about the same amount of money, most likely, because it's going to be processed, most likely, through an insurance company like an HMO, where the Medicare for all will cover everybody. Now, there's different, different, there's, uh, there's a whole bunch of different, you know, levels in regards to this Medicare for all. You have the single payer Medicare for all, where they want to get rid of the insurance companies, okay? Um, and then you also have um, a Medicare for 55s and above, right now and then work on another Medicare option. Um, then you have the ones that are saying, okay, everybody who's born um, from a certain date is on Medicare for all. And then you have either the 55 and above or 65 and above. So there's all these these uh, plans that are out there and we do need to look at them. We, we need to look at them as, as a whole because there are people that really do want to have and keep their insurance. Right now, my daughter pays $5 a month for her health insurance. Is it through an employer? 
Huh? It's through an employer, I presume. It's through an employer, right? Okay. So the employer wants to keep their employees, and she pays $5 a month, and I think she has a, a $2,000 or $2,500 deductible, right? See, now, why can't that be done across the board? Where I mean, <laughs> you, there, there are some companies that charge you in excesses of a couple hundred dollars a month right? Um, per family. For insurance, uh-huh. um, and and but if you go over to like the vision and the dental, then you're getting a dollar or two dollars for dental, or maybe a dollar for vision. Right. But so why can't that be done across the board for all healthcare insurance involved? Well, every every everybody has their you know every company wants to be able to uh, talk you know talk about their bottom line. And so, um, especially for-profit companies, um, if they have a board of directors, then they have to answer to that. So they're not going to give their employees a um, uh, the full amounts like this. This is a very small company that my daughter works for, um, and and they are making good profits at this moment, and they want to keep their small base of employees. Um, but when you get into the larger, you know, hundred employees or more, um, they're they're really looking at their bottom line, and so that's why those 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 prices are going to increase. Um, but so anyway, I do understand people like say my daughter. Okay, she under she understands where I'm, you know, because she's my campaign manager and and uh, also my daughter. But she's sitting here saying, "Mom, they have a legitimate reason on wanting to keep their health insurance, right?" But let's let me let me just give you the story. So you have somebody that is paying that kind of money per month. You're turning around and you're saying, um, you know, hey, I, I don't want to get rid of my insurance company. Then all of a sudden, God forbid, you get cancer. Now all of a sudden you have to get treatment, chemo treatment, radiation treatment. Um, you're getting sick each and every day. You're putting money out for your co-insurance and your deductibles. Then all of a sudden you can't go back to work. Well, most jobs can't keep your job. So now you lose your job and you're still paying that co-insurance and deductible. And now you're paying COBRA, which is even higher. And then you turn around and you're trying to, if you own a home, you're borrowing against your home to be able to pay for these treatments. You may even lose your home. And I can tell you stories about that also. People losing their homes because of the health care. They didn't have the job. Now they don't have a job. And now they don't have a house. Or they put themselves in debt because of their medical treatments. Even though you, they say, oh, well, you you know, we, we cover pre-existing conditions and everything. Yeah, they're, they're, they're giving you services, they're giving you treatments, but you're now having a high, large insurance plan that's, that's costing money and a very large deductible. And that's, they can't, it's not sustainable in this country. I've seen so many people lose their homes because of this. And it's, it's gotta stop. 